everybody. This is not dramatic pause. This is a uh, torn Achilles. And so I, I did that on um, Wednesday night. And so this is the new reality for about six weeks in this cast. And so I may be moving a lot like this. This is me moving on stage. I like to move. And so I can't really do this. It's not quite the same. And so um, I'm going to be sitting down. And because of that, it's going to feel a lot different for me. Hopefully not as much uh, for you. Uh, but I appreciate just all the, the prayers so far. Uh, this is one of those things that you don't realize how much you need an Achilles until you don't have it uh, anymore. So um, used to the new reality, but God is good. And I'm recalling just the, the scripture in James where it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And this is one of those trials and one of those times where you have to decide, am I going to be resentful or upset or frustrated or am I going to thank God that even in this, uh, he is with us. And, and that really is the truth. And so we're going to praise him as a family as we figure out what me not being able to really walk looks like. Uh, but in the time being, uh, we are really glad that, that you guys are here uh, to worship with us. Like John mentioned, a happy uh, Mother's Day to all you moms and to all you, you grandmothers. Um, moms really do bring a unique element to life and to family life. Uh, they're like a sweet fragrance in relationships. And without moms, if it were just dads, family life would be a lot different. Uh, I am a dad and I could say I am not quite the sweet fragrance that my wife is literally and also in the way that she relates relationally. And so just wanted to recognize uh, you moms and, and, and grandmothers uh, today. We're in the middle of a series called uh, The Working Life and really taking time to look at this thing called work, which takes up a majority of our time in life. Um, if you have a job, you know that Every Monday it starts, and usually it goes through Friday. And every day you wake up and you have to decide, I'm going to go to work or I'm not. And sometimes that's a battle, just even deciding to get up to go to work. And so in this series, our goal is to look at what, what are the things that are key to experiencing work in a way that actually allows life to go well in the midst of the work and the responsibilities that we have. So it's not just specific to the work that we have at a job, but also just our responsibilities, uh, whether that be parenting, uh, relating to people, working on a team, even ministry. All, all that is, is work. It's things that we have to do to exert effort, strength, energy, thinking to accomplish things. And last week we looked at the fact that work is actually from God himself. He is a worker. And so no matter our perspective on work, we have to actually recognize the fact that it comes from him. And sometimes the struggles that we have with work and the different things that we wrestle with, we kind of have to go back to, well, why, why did God create it? And why is it messed up? And that's kind of what we looked at last week. We looked at the fact that God actually created us to be creative people that can create something that's like this and make it bigger, that can use our, our minds and our strength to bring about something that didn't exist before we work and make it happen. And work is a noble thing. Despite that, though, work is also a struggle and it's a curse. And that happened really from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve sin, and sin entered the world. 
work no longer was just going to be something that you worked hard and everything went well. It's something like you, you work and there's thorns and there's thistles and it's, it's just a lot harder than it was meant to be. And so we have to deal with that reality. It's noble and it's hard all at the same time. And that's probably how you feel. That's how I feel at work. Some days I'm like, I love what I'm doing and I'm into it and I'm totally focused. And the next time I'm just my head on my desk, I just want to take a nap. When is this going to be over this part I don't want to do? And I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, but, but I have. And I'm sure that sentiment is common. We also looked at some memes last week, which represent kind of the common thought we have related to work. And memes are actual a cultural phenomenon that exists. If you are on social media, you've seen memes before. Uh, if you haven't, I'm going to introduce you to some today. But memes are statements that exhibit kind of the thought of a culture. Uh, it's an attitude. It's like a, a phrase that says, this is how I feel. This is probably how you feel. And a lot of times they're humorous, but they're really raised to bring up a point. And so for this message specifically, we're talking about wholeheartedness, working diligently in whatever work that you have to do. How do you work hard? And is working hard something that I should aim for? Or is it something that I should just try to, to get by? Should I just try to survive my work? Or should I actually really try to invest my time and my resources to do something that actually makes a difference. But as you dig into the scriptures, you find that God actually wants us to work in a way that represents this wholeheartedness. Our heart is fully engaged in our work. Not about you, but that also begs the question, well, there's certain work that my heart is more engaged in than others. And there's certain work where I'm like, my heart isn't even half engaged. It's not there. I just want it to be done. I don't even think about it. And so we're going to be kind of wrestling with this idea of how to work diligently and wholeheartedly despite the things that sometimes we just don't flat out want to do. And so I found some memes which represent kind of the common thought on our approach to work. Really the question of how hard should I work? Have you ever asked that? How hard should I work? Every time you go to work and you have eight hours or nine hours or ten hours or some people they work twelve hours. But in that time, how how hard should you work? Well, here's some thoughts people have. I wonder how much work I'll have to do today to make it look like I actually did work today. (laughs) That actually, leaning back in your chair, that doesn't help. So uh, there's another meme up there. How I look when I leave work knowing I did nothing the whole day. (laughs) There's actually child labor laws, and so I'm reporting that company. By the way, there's another meme up here. Sometimes the best part of my job is that my chair swivels. Just so appropriate. I actually picked that before I got this. There's another meme. Always give 100% at work. We would agree with that. 12% Monday. 23% Tuesday. 40% Wednesday. 20% Thursday. I think this is accurate. Friday, 5%. Right. That, that kind of represents. But this is common. Like this is this 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 stream, if you will. There's a stream that exists related to work in us and around us and other people, our co-workers, even our bosses. Sometimes where it's a stream of just get by, just get by, just do the minimum. Just do whatever you can to make it look like you did your job, whether you did your job or not. And sometimes that's even hard to quantify. Did I do my job today? Sometimes that's difficult to know. But hopefully that 100% where it's split apart five days, hopefully that 
That's not really what we're aiming for. And what you find is actually God has called us to something uh, more than that. God's actually called us to a different standard. And you find this in the Bible. This standard, again, is existing because of the fact he created work. If this wasn't from him, then really he can't set the standard because he didn't create it. But just like us, he created us. He created work. And as the creator, he actually has the right to dictate what things should look like. That's what a creator gets to do. As they're building it, they get to decide what it looks like. And so God created work actually to a different standard that goes against the sentiment of sometimes just trying to do the minimum. And God actually wants us to, to, to work wholeheartedly. And you find that in, in the scriptures. Uh, but wholehearted means this, having or showing no doubt or uncertainty about something or supporting something. So there's not any uncertainty. You're working hard. You know what you have to do. And you do it. And you're going to keep plugging away until the job's done. That's what it means to be wholehearted. You're fully invested. Or it means completely and sincerely devoted, determined, or enthusiastic. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work, what does it mean to be enthusiastic about your job? You guys have any thoughts on that? I'm just opening this up. What would it mean for you to be enthusiastic about your job tomorrow? You have any ideas? That's exactly what I thought. It's Monday. Nobody's enthusiastic about Monday. But even that idea about enthusiastic, doesn't it kind of just seem like that can't be right? Enthusiastic about your work, like, is that like Mr. Rogers? That doesn't seem like that's real. That's what it means to be wholehearted. There's a sense in which you have a job to do and you're enthusiastic about it. That the idea of there's something that's undone that you need to do so it's finished, so it's complete. And this is actually based on some instructions that the Bible has related to people as they were new Christians. And a lot of the New Testament is written to new Christians. They, they decided they wanted to follow Christ. Some witnessed his life. Some came after uh, Jesus was already crucified, rose again, and, and went back to heaven. But there's a sense of Christ followers wanted to know, well, what does it mean to, to live for Jesus? And what happened is, as people were learning to live for Jesus, there was so much thought of, we're just going to worship God. We're just going to love people. And we're just going to enjoy being together. And then there was questions, well, like, well, how, how do you... Like, how do you live and eat? And they begin to realize, like, okay, wait, life isn't just going to the temple and worshiping God and just eating meals together because none of us, if we don't work, have money to pay for the meals that we want to eat together. And they realize, like, you can't cut work out of life. Work is a part of actually your worship of God. And so, so much instruction in the New Testament is allowing these new Christians to see this picture of how work is exactly what. God wants them to do. And in work, they actually learn more about how to be like Jesus, because Jesus was a worker. You see that again and again in what he did in his ministry, the helping of people, the serving of people. He even grew up working. 
And so there's this instructions given to workers. And specifically in the New Testament, there was a relationship that existed because of the, the time and place of the Roman Empire. And it was slaves and masters. And in this time in the Roman Empire, the Romans had basically one third of the people were, were slaves. And conditions had improved once the New Testament was written. But there was still this relationship there where people were slaves to their masters and had these jobs to do. And as you could imagine, if you're a slave, you're going to be constantly fighting an attitude of not wanting to work to this master that you have. But this was work. This was the job that they had to do. This was the responsibility they had. And so Paul gives a lot of instructions specifically to slaves. So as you, you read this today, there's going to be part of us that it's going to be hard to kind of quantify. Well, how, how does this relate to work when he's talking to slaves? Well, if you think about it, this would be the worst kind of circumstance for work. It's forced labor. And as a slave, you definitely don't have work to do that you probably would enjoy. It's probably not your first choice. And it's probably not on your own time. You have to work when the master wants you to get it done. So all this context is really related to the worst case scenario that we would face in working, which is that of of a slave. And so as you read that, think about these words given to people in a really vulnerable position. And see what Paul instructs them. He's basically saying, like, slaves and free people, we have an opportunity to work regardless of our position in a way that will allow people to see that God is actually real. And that's what a lot of happens in work. As we work, when nobody's watching, we're actually showing people and showing God that he makes a real difference. And so this is what... This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. Bond servants, same as servants or, or slaves. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. He's saying re- respect them. Not necessarily that because they're your master, they're going to mess your life up. But it's really this idea that they have authority over you. So respect them with fear and trembling. With a sincere heart. So he's saying, you know, work... And obey the authority over you and and don't fake it. Don't play games. Do it with a sincere heart. As you would Christ. Okay, so Paul is now saying there's a focus. You need to respect the authority over you. You need to work with a sincere heart without playing games as you would Christ. So what he's saying is, is our relationship directly to authority, which we're going to talk about more next week. Our relationship direct to authority is tied to our relationship to God. And again, you can't have a relationship with God and want life to go really well to you and treat work haphazardly. Because God is in the church just like he's in your job. God's in your family just like he is at your employer's place. There's a sense that God is in everything that we do. And so we have to to act like that. And then he goes on in verse six, not by the way of eye service. Have you ever had a job and you don't have to raise your hand? But you kind of took it easy when the boss wasn't looking. But as soon as the boss came down, it was like you were working on the most difficult report you'd ever had in your life. You know, you, you're just kind of faking it. And the boss comes down. You're, oh, yes. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to focus on that. That's right. Yes, we do. And then they leave. And it's like, OK, back to solitaire. That's kind of the, the, the picture he's creating. Eye service. It's it's you're just appearing like you're working hard when people are watching you. And Paul's saying, don't, don't do that. 
You have to work hard all the time, regardless. Not as eye surface. Then he says, as people pleasers. So saying you need to work in a way that's not just motivated by what people think of you. I better work hard here because people are watching or I'm not going to work hard here because people are watching. And, you know, the older we get, we still can get into these dynamics at the workplace, working in a way because we know people are watching us. What Paul is saying is, don't worry about the people that are watching you. Be concerned with God who is always watching you. It's not about eye service. It's not about people pleasing. Then he goes on. But as bond servants of Christ, now he's saying, you think in just terms of you're a slave to your master, but really you're a bond servant. You're a servant of me. You're a servant of Christ. And since you belong to me, you should work in a way that pleases me. So he's trying to cut through some of these things that people have, this resentment, this dread that many people face in these kinds of situations, but also in our work in general. So it's the bond servants of Christ doing the will of God. Again, working is the will of God because it's from him. And so when you work, you're actually doing what God wants from the heart. He goes on rendering service with a good will as the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. This wholeheartedness kind of comes out in this passage. The idea of you're working hard and diligently with your whole heart, no matter what people think of you and no matter who's watching you, not for eye service and not to please man. So if you're a Christ follower, you actually have a standard of work that is above those that are not. Why? Because we work for Jesus. He's our ultimate boss. And because that's true, he sets a standard that's above any earthly authority. And so our motivation should be to please him. So you see again and again this passage, this idea of inner motivation. Our work should actually not just be to get a promotion, which promotion is good. We'll talk about that in the last week of the series. Our work shouldn't just be to get money. Well, money is good. You actually work to get paid. If you're not getting paid, you're going to be in trouble because you need money to live. And that's a good thing. But there's more going on than just wanting to get a promotion or wanting to get a paycheck. Paul's describing there's really this inner motivation. And it's mentioned this idea of a sincere heart. Doing the will of God from the heart. Having service and goodwill as to the Lord and not to man. This goodwill, that's really the idea of being wholehearted. You're working with everything that you've got for the good of those you work with. For the responsibilities that you have. But ultimately, you're, you're working for the good because God has given you that to do. Doesn't this all sound great until like you go home and you have to do chores, right? 
Let's just throw it out there. This sounds great when we're fully engaged in activity that we enjoy. And when we do the part of our job or responsibility that fits us. But have you ever been faced with something and you experience dread like you don't want to do it? We talked about this last week. You just don't want to do it. Maybe it's because you don't know how. Maybe it's you don't feel adequate. Maybe it's you just don't like the task that you've been given to do. What Paul is saying is really for us in those moments. Because in those moments, unless we have inner motivation, we will not push through. So God set this standard. And the standard is, is him and him helping us. There's, there's another passage that I'm going to go to. But before I do that, there's a survey that was done in 2013 recently on kind of how employees feel at their jobs, whether they're engaged or, or not engaged. And only 13% of employees are engaged in their jobs. Engaged means they want to do it. <laughs> That's basically what I mean, like, you want to do your job. Only 13% agreed that they actually wanted to do it. This is in 2013. 63% are not engaged. They're unmotivated and unlikely to exert extra effort. 63%. are actively disengaged. Not only are you not engaged, but you're, you're the polar opposite. You're truly unhappy and unproductive. So it's like this. If you have a job and there's four people, one of those people, persons, one of those is right, don't want to be there. If you look at the other three and they do, it's probably you. That's just how I did the stats. So you're right. One in four. If they're all there and they like their job, then you're probably the one that's the 24%. Right? That's how it should work, it seems like. But what you see is that that's a high percentage. And when we talk about this idea of wholeheartedness and being inner motivated because God has given me this job to do and it pleases Him, this is the stream that we're swimming against. We're highly unmotivated people. We're disengaged. We're apathetic. We don't really enjoy our work. And this is based in our country. It's not worldwide, it's just the United States. When I look at this, I think, there's got to be something more to this. There's, there's got to be something that more than just 13% actually feel like work is something that's Good and noble. The reason I bring this up is this isn't just the people you work with. This is us. We have this. This is what we have to battle. But wholeheartedness isn't just a feeling. Like I'm just going to work hard and I'm going to love my job. And then you get to your work and you're like, I don't love my job and I don't want to work hard. If it's just a feeling, it fades. What you find in scripture is there's really this wholeheartedness that should motivate us to continue to drawing from God for help and for strength. It's really difficult to be wholehearted over the long haul of your life in your work without God's help. 
And what you find in the scripture is wholehearted people, they work in the right way and they find success. So it's not just a feeling where we're just enthusiastic and we walk in the office and love my job. Happy Monday. You might get something thrown at you. Happy Monday, everybody. It's not the words you say. It's actually the quality of the work you do. And the wholehearted person, over the course of time, they really glean the health from the Lord Jesus himself. And you find this. There's a sense in which, you ever heard the phrase, God wants us to work smarter, not harder? Or maybe not God, but work harder, not smarter? Well, actually, what you find in Scripture is, it's both. Did I say harder, not smarter? (laughs) I sometimes think that. Swivel, swivel. (laughs) But it's true either way. Smarter, harder, harder, not smarter. But there's a sense in which it actually is is both. And you you find that in the scripture in Ecclesiastes 10.10. says this, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. There's an idea of sometimes we could be wholehearted but we have a blunt blade and we're trying to cut wood and it's just bouncing off. Well, I'm enthusiastic about my job and you just kind of keep beating this wood and before you know it, you haven't done anything except exert a lot of strength and haven't accomplished anything. So this wholeheartedness is not, again, enthusiasm for feeling's sake, but it's actually an enthusiasm that as you walk with God, he brings wisdom into your life and that wisdom breeds success. The idea is the blade that you're using to work with the tasks that you have and the responsibilities that you engage in, God sharpens it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever cut something with dull scissors or a dull knife and you're just hacking away at it, it doesn't work well. But as soon as you use something that's sharp, it accomplishes it. And you're like, wow, that was so much easier. It's not just that it's easier, you actually can cut more. And that's the idea. Wholeheartedness is this idea. God brings success to us as we do things his way. So if you're investigating Christianity and you're kind of thinking through this work thing and him and how he fits in, as you decide to follow him and you decide to adopt his perspective found in the scripture into how you relate to your boss and how you work and the tasks that you have, what you find over time is he will actually sharpen the blade of your work that you'll be able to accomplish more over time. That's the truth. Because his ways bring success. It's not immediate. And you still have to exert strength. But his ways bring success. If that wasn't true, then God and and the work that he brings loses a lot of perspective. The fact that he helps us. And when we adopt his ways, it makes a difference. It begins to click, this idea of, you know what? He did create work. And work pleases him. I actually had to learn this at an early age. I remember in high school, I'm just going to tell you a couple instances in my life. But really, when you talk about wholeheartedness, it begs the question, what does it mean to be wholehearted? Well, it's kind of like half-hearted. You're not really in. You're just kind of partly working. You're partly invested. In high school, I was part of student government, and our job was to kind of pull off events for our school, uh, different fun events. And we had a car show that we did every year. And this car show was to like raise money 
for the different events at our school. And I don't know what I was thinking, but there was a car show and we were responsible for pulling this event off. The student government, it was not teacher led. It was student driven. And I just decided, like, I was just going to kind of show up to this car show when I wanted to show up. And I strolled in and I got there and I was like, wow, all the cars are set up and the events already started. And I wasn't even here. And part of me was like, I didn't I didn't have to do anything. This is kind of nice. I just showed up and here I am. And all of a sudden, I see my teacher. My teacher looks at me, and he gives me a look like, you decided to show up, huh? You ever had that look from somebody like, glad you made it? I just looked at him and I said, hey, Mr. Kukovich. That was his name. I said, hey, Mr. Kukovich. He says, well, you're here. I said, yeah, better late than never. Just kind of enjoy the car show now. Glad you guys all got it done. It was part of my responsibility, and I just I didn't show up. And, he, and I walked away, and he pulled me. He said, hey, Alex, come here. He says, you, you say better late than never. It's actually better never late. I was like, it was one of those, like, I didn't actually get what he meant. I was like, yeah. And I walked away. And I thought, like, better never late. Like, I've never heard of that. And right in that instance, God used him. To create a different standard I didn't know. There's this idea of it's actually better to never be late. And my teacher, he, he wasn't a Christ follower. But what he did is he called me forward. He actually said, you know, you could settle down here. And you can do the minimum and you can skate by. But it's better never late. So when I was in college, I kind of began to really think through like, okay, I'm going to have school and I have different responsibilities and I have all sorts of stuff to do. And I felt like I was at my max of my capacity. And I came across a scripture because I was frustrated with school. And I don't know if you've ever faced this, but like when you're in school, your role is to do school, but sometimes the school is the first thing you just don't want to do. Right. I know I'm in school, but classes are the easiest thing to just kind of neglect. And that's kind of the same in life. The things we don't want to do, we can neglect. And so I came across this passage in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And right then, God used that to speak to me. The reason I'm explaining this is Colossians 3.23 was God walking with me, giving me some perspective I did not know. And he linked it to this idea of better never late. It was really this idea of, you know what, I need to work Heartedly. I need to do it with all my heart. And as I started thinking more about that passage, I thought, well, well, what does that mean? Where it says, whatever you do. And I thought, well, what does whatever mean? I mean, I say like whatever. But whatever actually means anything. Wait, no, wait, that can't. That must have been lost in translation. Whatever you do. That's what that's what I have. Whatever I do. And then I thought, well, what do I have to do it with? With my heart. OK, well, how much of my heart? All, all my heart just kind of blew my mind. This is what happens as you begin to want to do life God's way. He brings things like this, like a verse, which opens up your mind. And you begin to see things differently. And through the years, this verse has helped me again and again as I'm facing things I don't want to do, as I'm not really motivated. I have to remember, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Because you're working for God, not for men. 
So I just wanted to encourage you, no matter where you are, God will do this for you as well. If you choose to begin to learn his ways, he'll begin to open your eyes to see things differently. Uh, There's a a handout in your program. I'm not going to go over, but if you'd like just more information of things that you can do on your own time to work wholeheartedly, uh, there's an additional insert. And it compares wholehearted work with half-hearted work and some scriptures. I encourage you to look that through. Take the time to think through what, what does that mean practically for you? And there's some verses that you can look up. I'm not going to have the time to do that now, but take that this week or the next couple weeks and think through what, what would it mean for me to work wholehearted? And then contrast that with what would it mean to work half-hearted? And compare the two. And as you work through that, ask yourself the question, which one do I do the most? Do I work wholehearted or half-hearted? It's not a test. You just do it yourself. And what you can begin to do is you kind of identify where you are. Now you can see that this, these are some things God calls us forward to do. And then maybe this is where I am. And then you can begin to see the things that God may be able to help you with. And so we, we just wanted to provide that for uh, your own resource. Uh, as I wrap up, uh, the band's going to go ahead and, and come up. And usually at Church in the Valley, every week we do next steps. And these next steps are on the connection card that John had you fill out. So if you haven't fill, finished filling that out, pull that out of your program. And you should have a pen. If you don't, borrow a neighbor's. And finish filling out that connection card. And on that, there's some next steps that you can take. And I'm just going to mention the two that are on there. Uh, Pick a successful work habit to focus on over the next month. That would be on that that sheet that we passed on. If there's a a work habit that you need to focus on, I I encourage you to do that. And the second is is maybe you just need to ask God to show you if there's an area of your life where you're being half-hearted. You just pinpoint, this is an area where I'm not really motivated. I'm not really giving it the all that God wants me to, to give. So as you do that, God, God will actually show you as, you as you ask him. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to sing a song back to God as we receive our offering. And then after that, we have something special today. We're having our child uh, dedication. So we're going to head, go ahead. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And then I'm going to call uh, three families up for the child dedication this morning. And so let, let's pray as we continue really to, to honor God this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for the standard that you set in work and the fact that that work is from you and it pleases you. And and I ask God that for all of us that we will take an honest look at our motivation and take an honest look at really the jobs that we have and the things that we don't want to do and the things that we dread. And I ask for your help just on behalf of all of us that we won't get buried in wrong thinking or thoughts that aren't true and are not right, but instead that we'll actually begin to see how you've called us to a standard that's above what makes sense to us, but at the same time, uh, you really empower us to do. And so we ask for your help this morning in the name of Lord Jesus. Amen.